Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to episode 191, famous songs with misunderstood meanings and at my house to do the podcast today. And I feel like it's a Sunday and you really wouldn't be working, but because I have a pool. <laughs> I'm here. And you could, the kids could use the pool. Yeah. It worked out wonderfully. It worked out great, actually. So you beat them by about 20 minutes. Yes, because it's it's becoming a thing now to leave the house at the same time. If I want to be somewhere on time, we've got to separate. Oh, so you can't get out on time with all four of the kids. We tried. That was the goal, to all get here at the same time. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, got to go. See you there. So what if they get here while you're up here? They know I just told them to go straight to the back. Okay, cool. Right? Yeah, to have them go to that back, like, side. they know which yes. way to go out. Yeah, I think so. The two main doors don't unlock. If not, screw it, man. They'll figure it out. Yeah, F them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Eddie. And so we were talking about doing this uh, Bobby cast because we haven't done one. And people like these a lot more than I thought that. Not that I didn't think they would. It's just that we geek out a lot over music, and I didn't think a lot of people like that. And I think they just like you. Oh, oh, cool. Eddie from the Sore Losers podcast which I encourage you to check out if you like sports or, or guy talk. Do you guys talk about farts a lot or not? No. Good. No. I mean, sometimes we do. Yeah. Sometimes we talk about, like, hooking up more than we should. Because like past hookups and, like, what girls like, that kind of stuff. And it's just like, we shouldn't talk about all that. Let's just move on. Who uh-huh. well, we had a home run last night? <laughs> uh, check out the Sore Losers podcast. Um, but we're going to do famous songs with misunderstood meanings trying to think of this well and this is where it all came from because on the show recently i was talking about this song right here wonderful tonight by eric clapton oh and people usually think this song is a love song correct a straight up love song yeah because he's like yes you look wonderful tonight people dance their first dance Mm -hmm. they play it in romantic scenes of movies Mm mm-hmm because, again, most people feel it's a love song. But what it's really about 
is waiting for his girlfriend to get ready. Like, hurry up. Yeah, like, hey. Yeah, you look great. Let's go. And again, lots of proms. Yeah. Do you know what cotillion is? Oh, let me see. Cotillion. Yeah. It's got to be a rich person thing. Okay. Cotillion. Is it the white person version of a... Um, quinceanera. Quinceanera or a... Uh, like, a bar, bar mitzvah. Bar mit, I think that's what or a bar mitzvah. For I don't. Girls. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a Mexican. Yeah. I would assume that it's this. It's that, right? Right. What is that? Write a package, a passage where like a, a girl turns into a woman. Is that? You know how you feeling comfortable talking about uh, hooking up? <laughs> yeah. I don't like talking about girls turning into women. Right. But, but I think that's what it was. Mike, will you look up cotillion? Because I was a little Hispanic guy in South Texas, and there was a, a group of white people that had cotillion, and I got asked to cotillion by by one of these girls. What was your age? Oh, we were juniors in high school, so 17. Okay, so maybe a little older then. Yeah, and so this, I remember this song was our first dance because we'd got there and we're hanging out, whatever, and this song came on and she was like, ooh, this is a nice one, I like this one, let's dance to it. But this always reminds me of that, Cotillion. I still don't even know what that that is. The song gets used a lot in proms and weddings, but Eric Clapton wrote Wonderful Tonight in 1976 while waiting for his girlfriend and future wife, Patty, to get ready for a night out. They were going to a Buddy Holly tribute that Paul McCartney put together, and Clapton was in the position that he was used to of waiting while she tried on clothes. We've all been there. Like many of us. Pa- Do you know the Pat- the George Harrison story? No. So Patty was married to George Harrison back in the day when Eric Clapton... Clapton's Patty? Yeah, who he's married to there. <laughs> she was married to George Harrison from the Beatles when he uh, wrote Layla which, depending on which version you know. Uh, I know, is that just well, Layla? The later version is. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, there's the unplugged one too. That, okay, really that's what big. I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah, okay, so you're thinking of the fast one. Yeah, Layla. Dun, 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 dun. But then the slower one on Unplugged was Layla. Layla. <laughs> it's, I mean, we're almost singing the same <laughs> yeah, thing back, but in our minds we're, we're doing it. Uh, Clapton and Harrison remained good friends, but Layla was about her. Ooh. And Harrison even played at their wedding in 1979. Mm. But I thought her name was Patty, not Layla. Yeah, but you don't always put the girl's oh, you real don't. name. <laughs> Is yeah. that writer's code? Eric and Patty then divorced in 1988. Mm. Patty Boyd recall, recalled that Eric Clapton was sitting around playing his guitar while I was trying on dresses upstairs. I was taking so long, and I was panicking about my hair, my clothes, everything. And I came down, downstairs expecting him to really berate me. And he said, listen to this. In the time she had taken to get ready, Clapton had written this song right here. <laughs> It's just how he says it. It's because it's slow. Because because if you would have said it in normal in that, and if you ask me, like Green Day, <laughs> do I look alright? I said yes. Yes, you look wonderful, wonderful tonight. tonight. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a lot of it's the, just the tempo of the song. You want another one? Yes. These are misunderstood songs that are associated with something completely different. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. Oh, a big one. Most people think this song is about being super patriotic. Yeah, like I was born in the USA. I'm American. It's actually the opposite. I'm going to be honest with you. I never really listened to these lyrics. Me either. All I hear is born in the USA. Right. And also, I believe the album cover, if I'm right, had an American flag wrapped on his hand, like a bandana. Or, or, back or out of his back pocket. Back One pocket. of the two. It was back pocket? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, what was a cotillion, by the way? Uh, it's like a French thing. 
So the cotillion is a dance at a debutante ball? Debutante. Yeah. I guess it's the same thing. They do it for their girls that are... The rite of passage. Creepiest thing you could say about it. I think that's what they said. I don't yeah, know. No, I, it's not my words. I'll change it. <laughs> um, this song, Born in the USA, is really about casting a critical and mournful eye on America and its involvement in war. Bruce Springsteen's got to be like, what is happening? This song is massive. Mm-hmm. Turn, the, turn it up for one second. I wonder what... Will you pull up the lyrics, Mike? Uh, read me the first verse. I'll read you some of this about it here. It's uh, one of the most interpreted, misinterpreted songs ever. Most people thought it was a patriotic song about American pride when it actually is shameful on how America treated its Vietnam veterans. Wow. Springsteen considered it one of his best songs, but it bothers him that it's so widely misinterpreted. With the rhythm, the enthusiastic chorus, and patriotic album cover, it's easy to think because you see all that and you hear it, doo, 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 that it has more to do with American pride than Vietnam shame. That's what it says. Let's let's see the first uh, lyrics here. It's um, born down in a dead man's town. The first kick I took was when I hit the ground. End up like a dog that's been beat too much till you spend half your life just covering up. I mean, that verse alone just kind of says it. <laughs> but we don't hear anything except boom, down yeah. yeah. Born in the USA. Um, here we go. Here's another lyric. Come back home to the refinery. Hiring man said, son, if it was up to me, went down to see my VA man. He said, son, don't you understand? Hmm. I had a brother at Kisan fighting off Viet Cong. They're still there. He's all gone. He had a woman he loved in Saigon. I got a picture of him in her arms now. And it goes on. You're right. Yeah, that's pretty That's cr- not a patriotic song. No, not at all. But the chorus is. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I wonder who the first... I wonder whose idea it was to be like, hey, it's 4th of July, guys. Play the, the greatest American song, Born in the USA. You can just tell we don't listen to lyrics. No, we don't. Not, not just me and you. No. But the people. collective we of America. Springsteen wrote about the problems that Vietnam veterans encountered when they returned to America. Vietnam was the first war the U.S. didn't win. And while veterans of other wars received a hero's welcome, those who fought in Vietnam were mostly ignored when they returned back home. What year did that come out? 80s, right? Yes. Um, born in the USA. 80, 84. 80, 1984. Uh, this dude who was going to make the movie Born in the USA, but it was too associated with a song. Springsteen helped him out providing the song Light of Day, which became new to the movie. What movie is he talking about? Oh. Was it Born in the Fourth of July? The original title was Vietnam. And he sent Springsteen a script for the movie called Born in the USA about a rock band struggling with life and religion, which gave Bruce the idea for the new title. Oh. Anyway, it just is not what, I mean, what it seems. This is the epitome of this subject. Like, <laughs> I mean, no one thought that this song was a protest song. If you hear thunder, it's because it's thundering mm-hmm. outside. We are in a storm. Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. It's not a love song. It's not about a bodyguard. Well, that's another misconception. Um, people usually think this is a breakup song. Like, I, I Will Always Love You, even though we're not together. Anymore. I see that. So I guess it's still a love song, but it's really a song about Dolly's mentor and appreciating the time they worked together. She, she, we've heard this story from her. Mm-hmm. Who, who so it's, well, it's not a love song in the conventional sense. So she wrote it for a close friend. Yes, who Porter she, Wagner, right? Porter Wagner, there you go. I believe so, let me keep reading. In 1967, she was invited by the country star Porter Wagner to co-host his TV show where they became famous for their duets. 
In his time, her enormous talent eclipsed that of him, and she basically got bigger and decided to jump off. And so she wrote the song about the time they had together. And I Will Always Love You, not a love song about Kissy Kissy, but, yes. a, lo- but a love song like, hey, thanks. Because like, they weren't romantically like, involved. Yeah, like I'll always love you. And he and she said she just felt like she had to leave, and he was like, okay, well, good luck. Because they thought he thought that they would just do that forever, them too. She said leaving Porter Wagner wasn't easy. He thought oh. she was making a big mistake and felt she was being disloyal. That's it. Dolly Parton played the song to Wagner the morning after she wrote it as a way of letting him know that her mind was made up and to express how she felt about him. Apparently, he got the message across. She said that he was in tears and called it the prettiest song I ever heard that all went down in 1973 whenever they split. They were together seven years on that show and just working together. And she wrote the song to say, here's how I feel. I will always love you, but I got to go. So it is, I guess in a sense, it's a breakup song too. In a way. Quote, but I gotta go. Yeah. It was the second. It just wasn't about love. But again, it's not. Like romantic love. Yeah. It's not about romantic love or romantic breakup, but right. it is about love and a breakup. But we got it wrong and the bodyguard got it wrong too. Yeah. What, refresh my memory. What, why, why is that song relevant in the movie? In the bodyguard? Like he, they fall in love with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. I don't know. I've never seen the bodyguard. You've never. No, I just see Kevin Costner like <laughs> jump out and take a bullet and then yeah. he carries her off. So somebody dies, right? Wait, does he carry her off? How does he take a bullet and then he carries her off? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how the bodyguard goes. I've never yeah. seen the bodyguard. All right. Well, they um, messed it up too. It was the second of five consecutive number one country hits that she had established. Yeah. And by the way, Dolly told us that she had never heard the Whitney Houston version until she was driving on the road in her car. Correct. And she was like, she had a radio on. I was like, whoa. It was like a verbal agreement that she had. She was like, yeah, whatever. And she'd forgotten all about it that she said, yeah, they, she can record it. And so she heard the final thing. She's like, it's really good. Yeah, that's what she said to us, dude. Yeah, she's like, huh. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. You want to have your mind blown with another one? Come on. Closing time by Semisonic. It's not about a bar closing and you got to go. It isn't. It's not even about something closing. No, you're lying. There's no way. Listen to. Hey, Mike, will you play this from the very beginning? He even says, like, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. That's what every bar says. Yeah, they, I, I think they've taken it as their own. Whatever it, you're about to say, I'm not going to believe because it. Because the message does fit the bar, but it also fits what I'm about to tell you. Okay, just listen a bit. All right. So this is Simisonic closing time. Not about a bar closing or anything closing. Here you go. you got to go. It up. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. I hear it, Mike, when I know what it's yeah. about. Closing what are you talking time? about? Turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. That's a bar. Lights on. Closing time. One last call for alcohol. Come so on. Finish your whiskey or beer. It literally could be a bar. Yeah, it is. Will you put the lyrics up on the page, Mike? Yeah. Stay here. Okay, check it out. This is a bar situation. It is not. It's about childbirth. What? Mm -hmm. Where's the whiskey and beer coming to play with that? Like, look at the lyrics here again. All right. Closing time. Time for you to go out into the world. Baby. Out of the womb. Uh, turn on the lights over every boy and every girl. That's the, the baby's surgical room. 
Um, and then he put a couple lines in here to also make it. No, see, see, you can't throw a line in. You don't have to be so literal with everything. But okay, so how is the whiskey and beer going in childbirth? Like, it doesn't have to <laughs> Anesthetics. be. It doesn't have to be literal. <laughs> Bars picked it because it was literal. Man, I mean, because that's what it is. That's so. The singer said it's about the birth of his daughter when he wrote it. Rather than write a cheesy song that was so blatantly about birth, he hid the song's real meaning. He said the guys wanted a new song to close our sets with, so I wow. thought Closing Time would be a good title. We had spent seven years of our lives at that point, four nights a week entertaining people. That was our life. I started realizing the whole thing was a pun about being born, so I made sure the rest of the thing could ride with that double meaning. But nobody got the joke, and I didn't bother to explain how everybody would get it. Because it's not an obvious joke. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be. It just had to be literal. Interesting. Like, time for you to go back to the places you'll be from. The room won't be open till your brothers or sisters come. I hope you found a friend. Every new beginning comes from some other beginnings in. Did she die in childbirth? Or <laughs> I don't Don't know. take the girl. Is it a crossover? Like when Urkel went to Full House? Yeah. <laughs> Stefan? Oh, no, no. No, no, no just uh, Urkel. Urkel. Yes, yeah. I remember that. Um, he wrote the lyrics, Time for you to go out to the places you will be from to show the song's focus was actually on the miracle of childbirth rather than an ode to kicking late-night barflies to the curb. Wow. He admitted that he had babies on his mind partway through writing it. He said, we were expecting our first kid. I had birth on the brain. It was struck what a funny pun it would be being bounced from the womb. And I guess he wrote it by himself. Want Dan Wilson. Dan made Wilson. so much money. Wow. I mean, I'm not 100% believing the story. He did, that's him. The only writer is telling I believe you, you. I feel like he's messing with us. I feel like it's one of those things where like, watch this. I'm going to go into this interview. Watch this. I'm going to get him real good. Whatever, dude. Don't be a hater because <laughs> you never caught it. But now every time you hear it, you'll know. Yeah, I'm going to be thinking of a baby. I mean, what's he going to do? Put lyrics in about stirrups? Yeah. You can't be at... Let's go lightning crashes on that one. And again, not so much about a baby being born. He says placenta falls Exactly. You can't. It's like a rebirth of life <laughs> oh. in general oh. in many ways. Maybe I'm just not that deep. Um, Every Breath You Take by The Police. It's a love song. It's a stalker song. It is a stalker song. <laughs> yeah, Dang it, that just clicked. People usually think the song's about being madly in love with someone. But it's really about a guy stalking a girl. Come on. And you can't do that. Again, a super misinterpreted song. An obsessive stalker that sounds like a love song. Well, the obsessive person feels like they're in love. And to them, it's just love. Right? Yeah. You've talked to people. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, some people use it as a wedding song. I'll say this too. In this example, in the other examples, a song is, the message is really what you make it. Right? Sure. If, if you wanted to use this as your wedding song because you have a different meaning, that's totally that's okay. That's music. Yes. The beauty of it. Literature, yeah. music. Like you can use it in the way that it affected you. Correct. So that'd be, I'm not going to... Kind of bag on anybody for using it as a wedding song. Maybe they just Google it. Maybe it's like before Google. It is before Google. <laughs> it is way before Google. If you do it now, that's on you. Like yeah. all the information's out there. And we're telling you right yeah. now. Um, yeah, some people use it as, um, again, their wedding song, their first dance song. The police frontman Sting wrote it after separating from his first wife, Francis. In 1983, he said, It's a nasty song, really rather evil. It's about jealousy and surveillance and ownership. Damn. Regarding the common misinterpretation of the song, he said, I think ambiguity is intrinsic. However, treat it how you will. On one level, it's a nice... What does that nice, mean, ambiguity? You can't really tell. 
It's an honest question, by the way. No, I know. Okay. Yeah, people are a little too embarrassed now to admit they don't know what words means. Because I'll read books. And I like to read books, and I'll come across a word I don't know what it means. I'll just look it up. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, my wife says a lot of words like that. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, in, look, in America, this was their biggest, the biggest hit in 1983. It stayed number one for eight weeks, longer than Billie Jean. Longer, th- yeah, it was the biggest song of the look year. Look how hard he goes on that last part. Go ahead. Every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, every game you play, every night you stay. Dang, He's dude. He's pissed. <laughs> He's so pissed. He's pissed. That's the part where it's like... And he wrote it by himself. Yeah. Freaking Gordon Sumner. That's his that's real name? Thing. I yeah. had no idea that was his real name. Yeah. Gordon Sumner. Reminds me of uh, Gordon Shumway. You know who Gordon Shumway is? I don't. No. Type in Gordon Shumway and see what comes up. I love it. I believe that's Alf. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Again, I'm okay with asking a question here. What did Alf stand for, right? It was like alien, life, alien form. life form. Yeah. But Gordon it's- Shumway is? It's Alf. It is Alf. <laughs> Alf's real name is Gordon What's Shumway. What's wrong with you? <laughs> How did you know that? That was funny. Sometimes I make myself laugh. Yeah. It's uh, a good one. Eight, what up? That's a good reference. <laughs> Mike, we can play a game like that. An acronym for alien life form. Yeah, man. Freaking Willie Tanner was the dad. <laughs> yeah. I haven't uh, thought about Alf in a minute. <laughs> I haven't either, but freaking Gordon Shumway. That's awesome. Um, that was great. Mike likes that. I, 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 I like happen that. to know Gordon Shumway. <laughs> you, know, you know so much of that random it, stuff. I checked out. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and I was, it was so obscure that I was like, you better Google that. How sure of that were you? Uh, B, solid B. Okay, good. Like, I give it an honor roll sureness. Yeah, but I you w- went straight to Alf. I wasn't A because it was so long ago and it could have been mixed up over the years. <laughs> yeah, Alf was cool because there was the show, I liked Alf, the TV show. Then it had a cartoon that was pretty good. And then they developed a late night talk show for it. And it, and they did it like on uh, Nick at Night, but it never really blew up. I think they wanted to go network with it at first. Yeah. But yeah, Alf's, Alf is done. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. 
Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Seuss Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer, and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Um, in the air tonight by Phil Collins. I can feel it calm in the air tonight. About pollution? I mean, now I'm starting to think of it. <laughs> this is definitely about global warming, isn't it? People usually think the song is about Phil Collins seeing a man let another man drown. What was the lyric that made people think that, Mike? Oh, that one. Well, if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. I've seen your face before, my friend, but I don't know if you know who I am. Here you go. I would not lend a hand. So people thought this was about literal, that, like you, literally about like you and Semisonic. <laughs> Very simple. They thought it was about a bar, um, but no, it's not. It, it's really a song with no meaning. I hate that. The myth <laughs> that people believe Bill Collins wrote the song after watching a man let someone else drown. It's a big misinterpretation because Phil Collins says it's about nothing. He said the song was written without any specific meaning behind it. He drew inspiration from his recent divorce at the time, but most of the lyrics were improvised. But that didn't stop people from spreading one of the most famous urban legends in music history. The legend goes that Collins wrote the song after watching a man let someone else drown, which was the lyric, well, Mm -hmm. if you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. And according to the myth, Collins later found the guilty man at a concert. (laughs) (laughs) There's different versions of the, uh, of the story, too, and all of them are nutty. Well, because when you have a song that means, means nothing, you can do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you can just say it's about whatever. One of the versions has a friend of Phil Collins taking the place of the drowning man, and another has Collins refusing to rescue a drowning man who raped his wife. Whoa. They just got more absurd as they go. Don't go, whoa, it's not true. Oh, oh. It, it is like, oh. <laughs> that's, oh, that, now, that's some fiction story right and, there. And he came back and wrote that song, huh? No, 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 it's not true. You're missing the whole point. <laughs> Why don't we write a song like this? 
Well, that's kind of how nothing. That's kind of how we write songs at the beginning. Eddie will Freestyle. play. Eddie will play chords, or and I'll just start yelling a bunch of words to the melody, and it's nothing. Yes, improvised. And then we kind of go back and adjust it to to make right. money out of it. Uh, yeah, the myth has cemented itself in popular culture, and even was referenced in Stan, Eminem Stan. Oh, yeah. You might remember these lyrics right here from Eminem Stan. Go ahead. You know the song by Phil Collins in the air of the night about that guy who could have saved that other guy from drowning but didn't? Then Phil saw it all, then at a show he found him? That's kind of how this is. You could have rescued me from drowning. Now it's too late. I'm on a thousand downers now. I'm drowsy. And all I wanted was a lousy so, letter of a call. Why does Eminem say in the air of the night? I guess he just because I was about to say I thought the song was called in the air tonight. But it's Stan saying it, so it could have been like okay. him just getting it wrong. I thought I'd get it wrong all these years. I was about to go, wow, breakthrough. I thought it was called in the air tonight. That's crazy, man. Yeah, but even Eminem, even he had it wrong. Well, Stan did. One of my favorite bands that no longer really is a relevant band is REM. Oh yeah. This one goes out to the one I love. This one goes out to the one I love. Is this another one of those songs? Well, most people think it's a love song, yeah. obviously, because it's this one so literal. This like, goes out to who I love. Like a request. Yeah. That's really about using someone over and over again. It was our first hit, by the way. This is the first R.E.M. hit. Wow. Yeah. This one goes out to the one I love. Fire! And it's wild that their first hit was in '87. Mm. I was. They were in the, '90s. I, I wasn't listening to REM. No, I was six or seven years old. But there was that gap, generational gap where, like, like my brother, he knew REM, and then I liked REM, the later REM. Yeah, when REM hit for me, it was losing, losing my, my religion. religion. It was the big video. Yeah. Uh, this was their first hit song in 1987. It's not a love song. He describes this song as about how people use people over and over and over again. And until this line here, a simple prop to occupy my time is the lyric that goes, that's what I'm showing. Yeah. That's the one that sets it straight yeah. right there. So what does he say? Fire and then what? She's, She's coming down. She's coming down mountain when she comes. <laughs> really? Oh, I never, I've never heard that before. Do you no, hear it for the no. first time? Listen, Mike, if you'll pause that for one second. So what they yell in the background so faintly is, fire, and they go, she's coming down on her own. You'll hear it. Oh, let me see, Mike. It's so faint. That's the first time I've ever heard that. Okay, we're going to go back to the beginning of the song. <laughs> I can't pause. 105.9, 10KLAZ, we're here with a new one from R.M. Ramp it, ramp it. The year is 1987. You know, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know where it ends. <laughs> I don't even want to miss, I don't want to risk missing it. Wow, I've never heard that part. So listen closely. Turn it up on the fire, Mike, if you don't mind. All right, here you go. Listen first. She's coming down on her own. Check it out. Wait, it's the same. It's the first first one. It's the one we heard earlier. Can you now rewind it? Down on her own. Yeah. Here it is. Wow. She's coming down on her 
I've ever heard that. It's and how so many times tight. have we listened to this song? Hundreds, thousands. Yeah. Damn. Wow, that's so cool. It is cool. How about this one? Crash Into Me by Dave Matthews Band. Oh my gosh. Okay. I think I know what this is about. There's another stalker. And you should know because you're a big Dave fan. Huge Dave fan. And I love Dave too. Now, I mean, frat girls, uh, sorority girls, frat guys, like this was their song. Like girls loved this song. And people would think it's about a, a passionate love affair or a love song. I go up your skirt a little more and show your world to me. <laughs> it's really about an ex-boyfriend peeping at a woman from a window. Yeah, because he does say that in a verse. You've got um, your ball. You've got... It's hard to sing. He goes right there, bounce on the bottom. I'm watching there through your window and I stare and you wear nothing. That's it. These lines give it away. I watch you there through the window and I stare at you. You wear nothing, but you wear it so, so well. well. Wait, wait, what? How creepy, huh? That yeah. was written from the point of view from a boyfriend who wants his girlfriend back. I watch you there through the window, basically saying he's watching how beautiful she is. The song is about a voyeuristic man. Many people conceive it as a love song and fail to see the true meaning behind it. <laughs> On Storytellers, Dave Matthews mentioned that the song was written from a Peeping's Tom perspective. Wow. And, and, no, and no one ever got that before. And if that's not enough, he says, hike up your skirt a little more. Hike show your world your... to me. <laughs> but again, if you're not being literal with it, right? Uh-huh. It could mean anything. Like, hike up your a little more, show your world. It could be, like, expose me Bones. to different feelings and thoughts. The skirt covers one thing. But the skirt of the world. <laughs> could be a beef skirt. Could be a fajita. Yeah. Um, my, I remember when my brother learned this on guitar, and he was so proud. And he's like, dude, sing it. You know all the words. And we sang it. We had the whole family there. And I was like, hock up your skirt a little more. My dad was like, stop that. Stop that. Next song. Next song. <laughs> he even says, I'm the king of the castle. You're the dirty rascal. Wow. Hey, scroll a little bit more, Mike. Other way. Dave wrote that song by himself. But what does that mean, crashing Look, into me? He wrote it by himself. These, these people have been making so much money oh, yeah. solo writing these songs. By David John Matthews. Yeah. Crash into me. What's he meaning? Like, uh, let's get our worlds together. Like, but again, to put our worlds together is also. It can mean anything. <laughs> These guys are so artistic. Uh, slide by the Goo Goo Dolls. I wanna wake up where you are. I won't say anything at all. So why don't you slide? I have no clue. People usually think it's about being in love. It's really about unplanned pregnancy. Mm. The song is about dealing with an unplanned pregnancy with lyrics like, I want to wake up where you are, or I'll do anything you ever dreamed to be complete. It's understandable if you overlook that as a song that's about pregnancy. Um, oh, no. oh, he says, I'm going to, what? Yeah, he does say, I'm going to let it slide. <laughs> does that mean like, all right, I'll just let this one slide. We got well, the baby. We're going we're gonna to do this. Listen to this lyric. Don't you love the life you killed? Meaning, Whoa. meaning like his. Yes. Your priest is on the phone. Your father hit the wall. Your mom disowned you. Unplanned pregnancy. Wow. Or maybe he's talking about her life. Like, like he may have, she may have killed her own life by being pregnant. Like, like not literally, like figuratively. Right. Like your life's over. Now you gotta sure. raise a kid. Yeah. The life you know, you knew, is done. Johnny Resnick explained it during a storyteller's. 
slide is actually about these two Catholic teenage kids and their girlfriend gets pregnant, and they're deciding whether they should get an abortion or get married or just go on. And I don't think a lot of people get that. The singer described it as a not-so-sad uh, tale about some hard choices. Hmm. Think about that. Pretty deep. That's a little ditty. We listen to all these songs not thinking about any of this. Uh, American Pie by Don McLean. I can't remember. You'll know what this is about. Yeah, it's the it's the death of the, the plane crash. Part of it, right? You so say you're right. Mostly, it's it encapsulates that whole era, and that the '60s and that plane crash. Um, the '50s. So do ops. I, I would think, oh, you're right. I would it's think 50s. the '50s. It's '50s. You're right. And not even the year, but so much, but that era, mm-hmm. and and what kind of was the exclamation point on the end of it was the plane crash, with. Richie Valens, The Big Bopper, Buddy Holly. Yep. And it's referenced in the song. But, um, I mean, jam, right? Jam. And the day that the music died literally is the day that that plane crashed with all the music in it. But he said that the lyrics were very ambiguous, again, which means... I know what it means now. What? Like um, ambiguity means yeah, it's don't make much sense. You can't tell really. Like right. you don't know. It could go either way. Yes. Uh, people ask me if I left the lyrics open to ambiguity. Of course I did. I want to make a whole series of complex statements. He put the song's original manuscript for auction at Christie's. Look how long this song is? Oh yeah. I'm gonna guess it's. He wrote it by himself too. <laughs> These guys. Howdy. Jeez Louise. Is this a six-minute song, Mike? I think seven. Is it? So, so when he, there are more people that he's referencing, right? Like when he says the gesture. Again, I think it's just a time and characters. Right. And I feel like these characters are just different artists. Oh, I never thought about that they were all specific artists. Like I think the gesture maybe would be Bob Dylan. You could be on to something. I don't know. Might we Google that? See if the gesture and Miss American Pie is Bob Dylan? Because if you write about that, you're going to write about other ones too. Yeah. Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. Could Obviously, be John Lennon. <laughs> yeah, John Jack. Huh. Don McLean wrote it by himself. Oh, speaking of John Lennon, imagine. I mean, I mean, we all know what this is about, right? Go ahead. Imagine what the world would be like with without these certain things. Most people think that it's a song about peace and global unity. Kind of. What do you? Th- kind of, because he's just kind of saying, like, imagine if we didn't have these people in power doing certain things. Religion, politics, everything else. It's actually about Wi-Fi. <laughs> Dial-up. <laughs> AOL. <laughs> didn't even exist then. You got me. That's funny. It's uh, more so... Because it's a slower tone, people think it's super peaceful. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's a, like a, a song about revolutionary I- ideas of how to achieve peace, mm. but doing it through radical ways. Mm. But he was smart enough to go, well, if I slow it down and treat it as a ballad, people are going to feel like I'm hugging the world more than screaming at the wow, world. Wow, does he say that? I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's me. I'm not why ready. did he not say it like that? I don't know. Because it's true. And then us, we're all like, duh, it's a slow song. So I like it's peaceful. The song is actually about the Communist Manifesto. Wow. And now I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Earlier, that was just me musing myself. That was pretty good. Most people think that ballads, the ballad imagines is about people putting aside their differences, but it's more political. According to Rolling Stone, 
he once described the song as virtually the communist manifesto. And even though I'm not particularly a communist and do not belong to any movement, the song clearly asked the listener to imagine a world without religion or possessions. But Lennon admitted he intentionally, uh, admitted he intentionally tried to sugarcoat his message hmm. with the song, the sweetness of the song. Yeah. Like sonically, it's like, oh. Imagine is a big hit almost everywhere. And a beautiful song. Because it's anti-religious, anti-nationalistic, anti-conventional, anti-capitalistic, and because it's, well, soft and mm-hmm. it's like honey. But I'm not the only one. This video is so good too. And the white piano. Uh, Sarah McLaughlin, Angel. Yeah. It's about puppies. Puppies. Adoption. Yeah, adopted. Hi, for two ninety nine. <laughs> Hi, it's Sarah. And for the low, low price of two ninety nine, you can help Sparky. Yeah, I know he only has one eye, but you can help that one eye. And it always airs at like three in the morning when everyone's drunk, like, all right, here's my wallet. <laughs> this is for you, Sparky. Sparky. <laughs> oh crap, what did I do last night? <laughs> I adopted 30 dogs. <laughs> Wait, what's this receipt for? Sparky's new eye? What the? Yeah, Sarah McLaughlin got me again. Um, the song most people think is about angels and losing someone. It's really about heroin addiction. Whoa. Yeah, more specifically, the guy from Smashing Pumpkins who died. Really? Who was that? The keyboardist. Oh, wow. He uh, died in 1986. And I'll read a quote. I went to a cottage north of Montreal to relax and write. I read about the Smashing Pumpkins keyboard player who had OD'd in a hotel room. She wrote this about a song uh, about the drug addict's struggles with the world. The angel symbolizes the drugs the addict gives into repeatedly. In the arms of an angel, meaning the drugs. Yes. She said, the story shook me because although I had never done drugs like that, I felt a flood of empathy for him and the feeling of being lost, lonely, and desperately searching for some kind of release. And that release was drugs, or as some people would have it, their angel. Wow. Crazy, right? People use this one in like funerals, right? Like this is kind of one I've of those never songs. Been to, where, sure, maybe because angel is the mm-hmm. liter, it's a, they're taking the like their literal gone. interpretation. Yes. I've never heard it in a funeral, but it would make sense. Wow. This is, I mean, that changes this whole, I mean, that song's, this song's always been beautiful to me, but it's always been like, I don't know what it's about. It's pretty. But wow, I mean, I'm reading it now, and like, yeah, that's pretty deep. Spend all your time waiting for that second chance, for a break that would make it okay. There's always some reason to feel not good enough, and it's hard at the end of the day. I need some distraction. Oh, beautiful release. Mm-hmm. Memories seep from my veins. There's the hotel room, too. And maybe empty. Oh, and weightless, and maybe I'll find some peace tonight. Just a different feeling about it Completely when you know she's talking about drug addiction and yeah. drugs. From this dark hole, you're right, in the chorus, in the arms of an angel, fly away from here, from this dark, cold hotel room, in the endlessness you fear. Whew. Wow. Oh, well, another super sad one. You think that one's going to get you? Sarah McLaughlin wrote that one on her own, too. Maybe they're just writing one person, but surely. Um, the next one, don't cry. Hanson and Bob. <laughs> now, what's this one about? What do you think it's about? I have no idea. Tune. Mm-bop. 
I know. There's more in the verses that I don't remember what they say. Most people think it's just a catchy pop song that really means nothing. Yeah? Not true. It's really about how everything we love will be gone before we know it. What does Umbach have to do with that? They made the word up. <laughs> Maybe it really is just a made-up word. Uh, 1997. They said, Mbop represents a frame of mind. And Mbop, they're gone. Like, Mbop, it's gone. Like, woo, it's gone. Oh, just like that. Yeah. Okay. Because bop's a word. Mm-hmm. The whole song is about the fact that almost everything in your life will come and go quickly. You got to figure out what matters and grab onto those things. Boy, they don't really love doing that song, though. No. and that's, They do. They do. But they, I, they don't love it. I think it. everyone has respect for that one song that did it for them, but it's... I mean, it's got to be hard when that's the one you sing all the time. Well, they played our Million Dollar Show, and I like those guys. And I know Tyler a bit. Taylor. Taylor. That's how well I know him. I'm Tyler. <laughs> Tyler, Jim, and... I was thinking about having my phone as, because um, I didn't want to put him as Taylor Hansen. <laughs> so people would see it. You so put Tyler Hansen. Tyler Hansen. No, it literally is. <laughs> so um, Taylor had uh, come and sat beside me in, in the, the seats of the Ryman and was like, hey, man. Can we not do Umbop? We'd we'd prefer to do this other song, and that's a hard that's a hard question for you. And it just comes right up to me and asks me, and I respected that he asked me straight up mm-hmm. and just didn't get on and not play it. But at the same time, everybody came to see Umbop that was coming to that show. Is that, is that what you them. told them? I was like, man, you can play whatever else you want, but you got to play Umbop. Like that's it. I, again, you don't gotta. I'm not gonna make you. Yeah, but. I can't sit here and say, you know what? Go ahead and do whatever you want. Like, everyone here wants you to play Umbop. So if I'm asking, please play Umbop. And they did. Yeah. And, and, you, and everybody freaking jerked their phones out quicker than I've seen almost anybody pull their phones yeah. for any artist. So, but I, and it's also super kid. So I'm sure they're adults and they have kids. They have probably kids that are close enough to their age. Right. So it would be like writing a song when you're 14 and having to sing it when you're 38. Over and over. Mm-hmm. I remember when they committed and you told me, they're like, oh, we're, they're going to do the, the show. And I'm like, oh, great. So we might have to learn umbop. And I looked over the umbop. I'm like, I'm never going to memorize that ever. You have a favorite Hanson song? That umbop. No, no, no. I like, oh, there's another one that I really like. It's about a girl. Maybe that Penny and Me? Penny and Me. Penny and Me is a good one. Penny and Me was really good. Did they do that on our show? Maybe. I think they did. Yeah, they did. So good. Will you pull up the Hanson playlist, Mike? Mm-hmm. Penny and me is a jam. My favorite is I Will Come to You. Here's Penny. Mm-hmm. This is your jam. Yeah. They're so good. They are. It's talented. Yeah. Will you play it from the beginning? Will you play mm, I Will Come and Maybe I'll Come for You? I think it's <laughs> To You. Is it I Will Come to You? I Will Come to You. Yeah. When the night's my... You know this one? Mm-mm. Is this deep Whoa, cut? Is no. this a hands and deep cut? <laughs> I will cut. No, no, not deep. When you have no love to guide you and no one to walk beside you, I will come to you. Oh, come to you. When the night's dark and stormy, <laughs> come on, how about that jam? I will come to you. Oh, I will come to you. Oh, Damn. Um, well, I believe that does it for today's show. 
Man, it's funny how you said like a lot of these stories came out of like storytellers. Mm -hmm. They didn't bring storytellers back with like Ariana Grande and be like, Ariana, what is the, when you say you like my hair, just <laughs> bought it. What do you mean by that? <laughs> like, you know, storytellers was huge to us and we learned so much. And she'll be like, well, I was in a room with 13 people. <laughs> Actually, I, I wasn't even there. And we were just throwing out words. First, we made a melody. They gave us the beat and we went, then we had to fit words over, and those two just happened to fit. Because yeah. I remember learning that, like, Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder wrote, like, Better Man or something 15 years before the band even got together. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and we learned that from storytellers. Like, well, it's like Counting Crows when they were the Himalayas. I didn't know that. Hey, will you look up the... Again, I could miss this up. The, their mess band? Up. His, yeah. his band was the Himalayas? Yeah. Oh, it could have been a different mountain range. <laughs> it's been a while. What was it Everest? Yeah, it's, let's see. Blue Ridge. Because <laughs> the last thing I want to do is leave something up here that's wrong. But, but some of those songs were even on that record, that first record. Uh, the Counting Crows, Berkeley, California, first name. Now type in um, Counting Crows, um, original band. Oh, Himalayas. Or, or, there it oh, is. There it is. The Himalayas. the Himalayas, Round Here is, was the Himalayas song. Round oh, Here. No way. Yeah. The, so, Him the Himalayas were an Ameri American rock band between 90 and 91. They're best known for starting their careers. This is Whoa. the Whoa. That's the bass. This is the Himalayas doing Round Here. Wow. That's a, I mean, that's a different sound for sure. Yeah. So, uh, again, they had written that song and cut it on their we can do a We can do a whole Bobby cast on this. On, <laughs> on, the, on bands that were before the band. No, no. Just the Counting Crows. <laughs> just Counting Crows. <laughs> We just break down all of that storytellers live CD. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, well, you know what would be fun? I mean, at this point, because Adam Duritz used to be really famous. At this point, I could probably get him on pretty easily. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. About the front door, like a ghost into the fog. Little faster. So the melody's the same. Which is never the same for this. Kind of darker. Also, less whiny. I don't know. Oh, wow. Good call. Yeah. It's a different kind of bass. Yes. That's just the bass line. That sounds like a limp biscuit. Like a limp biscuit bass line. This wouldn't have made it. Heavy electric. That, you're right. It does sound like a different band completely. Like, like one a of those horn, mm -hmm. biscuit, that era. That yeah. All right. You taught me that. You taught me that one. I didn't know that. The Himalayas. No clue. I wasn't sure I knew it. So stuff just sits back here sometimes, and I'll just go, oh, like my initial reaction is to yell it out. Yeah. And it matches a lot of times. Like Gordon. Like freaking Gordon Shumway. <laughs> Gordon Shumway. <laughs> Mike, look that up. That's golf, right? <laughs> um, by the way, uh, big shout out to Mike D who produced this entire episode, all the clips and tons of research. So uh, thanks to him. Ed, is your family here? I have no idea. My <laughs> phone's it's, over there. But it's raining, so they can't be at the pool. To... I have no I'll check right now. They're probably down watching TV. <laughs> probably. And the snacks. Yeah. I'm sorry, watching the show called The Boys on Amazon. It's about, it's a superhero show, but it's like real life, meaning as real life as you can be. It's like, these people are superheroes, but it's like they're real problems. Okay. They have so, a real, like, like addiction. Oh, wow. Um, 
like sex stuff. Oh, and they live on Earth. Yeah. Wow, that sounds good. It's really good. The Mike, one, you're watching it too. Yeah, right? I like one it a season. Lot. Yeah, it's eight episodes. And if you have Am- this is not a commercial, by the way. No, I have Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime and you order stuff, you get all the shows too. Yep. Which I didn't know for a long time. Yes. I thought I had to buy a second separate subscription. Like no way. Yes. But uh, yeah. And it also comes with a lot of other stuff that you didn't know you had, like TV stuff, like golf tournaments. They're all on there for free. For for my gambling? <laughs> no. If you like golf, if you <laughs> if like I'm my, I mean some your. basketball <laughs> games that you normally wouldn't find, they're on there. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go play uh, racquetball with Amy's husband. The big debate was, will I win? Yes. You say yes. I think you will. He because says, because he says he's, he's good. He's a bigger guy, and I feel like he's stronger than you, but. Racquetball's about, but he's a bigger guy and not fat. He's no, no, no. He's pretty in shape though. He flew us this week, and he had a tucked-in shirt. And he did. He looks good. Yeah, he looks good. But I don't. He doesn't ride like like you do the the peloton bike. Yeah, like yeah. my cardio. But it's more than just running. Yeah, but it's fast. That's mostly what racquetball is. Back and forth. What do you know? You got to be able to hit it though. He mostly Eddie's giving me his prognostication on racquetball. <laughs> I feel like I could give you a good run at racquetball. There is no way. Like not like unless you've played those. And it's not even my athletic prowess. It's playing the angles off the walls all the time. Right. You got to oh, start. Hey, from- I know, man. Okay. I know cool. how to play the game. Cool, cool. <laughs> I got ten bucks on Bobby. Oh, ten. <laughs> See, that's it. But would you do good. ten bucks at four to one odds? Yes. Meaning you would win ten dollars, but you would lose forty. I would. Correct. Yep. But if you bet on me, you can win a lot more than that. But you'd lose 10 and you can win for it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Check out The Sore Losers. That's Eddie Lunchbox and Raymundo's podcast. Check out Amy's podcast, Four Things with Amy Brown. Uh, check out The Velvet's Edge with Kelly Henderson. It's a lifestyle podcast about fashion and just, well, uh, being a female and living your, your best mid-20s to mid-30s life. Um, also, check out Caroline Hobby's podcast called Get Real where she talks with a lot of the wives of country music superstars and just really strong women in the business. By the way, I don't know if it's up yet, but Chris Daughtry's wife. Uh, so she had a girlfriend while her and Chris were together, open. Oh, really? They're married, and she had a, a real-life open relationship. She girlfriend. talks about this on the podcast? Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Is it up yet? It'll be up tomorrow. Oh, so you'll, by the time by you hear this, it'll probably be up. Wow. Check out That's Get cool. Real with Caroline Hobby. And is that it, Mike D? That is it. About to bring out another podcast. I'll tell you who it is off the air. But it's going to be really funny. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were saying you had a meeting with someone. Mm, we did. It was him and his two managers. Oh, cool. Two managers. Very cool. All I right. Know, I know. All right. Thank you, guys. And we'll see you next time here on... Anything you want to say? No, man. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Who's your favorite band that, of all the bands? Who's your favorite band that morphed into Counting Crows? The Himalayas. It's the only one. That's right. You learned something. <laughs> and, like, and, am I missing anyone? And what is the term for... Ambu- yeah, ambu- ambiguity. You really can't tell. It could be either. Ambiguity. Well, that's... So ambiguous, oh. if something's ambiguous. Yes. But a form of that would be, it's ambiguity. It's ambiguity. Ambiguity. Amb- ambiguity. All right. yeah, yeah, and what is Al's real name? Gordon Lightfoot. No, no Gordon, Gordon Shumway. Gordon, Gordon Shumway. That's <laughs> <laughs> an artist. Right. All right, bye, everybody. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacovas boots are made by hand, in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tecovis store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tecovis.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tecovis.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today.
This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.